Well, we are going to begin a short vision series, two or three weeks, not really sure exactly, probably three, if you know how I do things. Um, and then after that, we're going to start a new series that I'm excited about called Spirit and Truth, When the Mystical Meets the Logical. Have you noticed that there are some pretty stiff Christians out there? Have you also noticed there are some pretty loopy Christians out there? Okay, so... There's these two different worlds, and they're both pretty well described in the scriptures. And so what is it? Are we supposed to be the the loopy, you know, like all that stuff? Or are we supposed to be just like, well, you know, how is that supposed to work? And so we're going to look at the interaction between the logical and the mystical in our walk with God. And it's going to be uh, an interesting series if you've got a particular psychological or emotional bent that pulls you real far one way or the other, this is going to be an important sermon for you to be at because our Heavenly Father seeks worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. Both. And so we want to grab hold of truth and we want to grab hold of the spirit and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. But that's coming up in a few weeks. Now we're going to talk about vision. Every, uh, probably twice a year, we do a, a vision sermon or a vision series. Very important because Christians have trouble working together. I don't know if you've noticed that, but they all have different ideas and they all want to go in different directions. And so trying to get people together going in the same direction can be a big challenge. And so we need to know what are we doing here? Why is Good Hope Church in existence? What is the purpose? What is the plan? And so in order to be able to express that, uh, we have a vision statement, which is up on the posters on the side of the uh, sanctuary here. Reach up, rise up, reach out. This is the vision statement. And so this is our compass. This is what the church is about. This is why we exist. And so reach up is we want to connect with God. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. We want to reach up. And then we want to rise up. We want to get better at serving God because it's a very, very frustrating life being a Christian who's bad at being a Christian. Do you know that? It's a very, very frustrating life being an incompetent Christian because you have all the pain and suffering of not being a Christian and you know you shouldn't. (laughs) You know you should be apprehending the things of God, but you aren't. And uh, you're not ever able to walk into the the fruit-bearing part of the faith. And so uh, we want to grow. We want to get better at being Christians. And besides, it represents God much better when we're actually good at following Christ. And that allows us to do the reach-out part, which is to make a difference in this world. God has called you not just to wait this life out, but to actually make a difference to uh, have a significant life of purpose. And so reach up, rise up, reach out. And uh, there are hand motions to this. And we are going to do the hand motions. And I've got two reasons for wanting to do hand motions. The first one is I suppose it's a good like learning tool so that you remember stuff. You know, you, 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 
Do hand motions to remember things. The second thing is I want to see if we can work together on a completely irrelevant, meaningless thing. (laughs) Because if we can work together on something as simplistic as hand motions for the vision statement, perhaps God will use us to do something more significant. Perhaps God will use us to do a fantastic VBS this summer. But it's going to take people working together a lot more significantly than doing hand motions. You know, perhaps, anyway, perhaps God will even go beyond that. But we have to be able to work together and not resist unnecessarily. And so let's learn the hand motions if you don't know them. And let's do them together. I'll show you first. So you don't have, no pressure. You don't have to worry. It's very simple. So reach up. Is just like that. Rise up is like this. And reach out like that. So let's do that together. Reach up. Rise up. Reach out. Very good. You're, you're amazing people. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's pray and we will talk about reaching up this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that we can come together and honor and worship you and learn about you in a, in a country where that is allowed and we have tremendous freedoms. And so we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time together as each one of us is going through different things. We're fighting different parts of the battle and we need something different from you. And so, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would touch each one of us with exactly what we need, Lord, this morning, so that we can believe in you better, so that we can walk in your ways better, and so that we can be more effective and productive for your kingdom. So bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, in our walk with God as individuals and in our service together as a local church, if we get the most important thing right, it's going to be okay. And if we get the most important thing wrong, we're going to have problems, right? In so many things, if you get the most important thing right, you're going to do okay. There's a lot of more details, a lot of things you can get better. But if you get the main thing right, You're going down the right road. And if you get the main thing wrong, you can do a thousand other things. But it's not going to fix the situation. Last week, we talked about love and respect. You can want to have a good marriage. If you don't love your wife, you can do a thousand other things. You're still going to have problems. Because the main thing is you got to love your wife. And so if we get the main thing right... Then we're going down the right road. And if we miss the main thing, we're in trouble. What's the main thing in our relationship with God? Fortunately for us, someone asked Jesus that question and he answered it and it was written down. That's very helpful. So someone asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? I love questions like that because I can only think so many things and I want to get the simple truth. And here's how it goes from Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. 
Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So they were having this public debate, and Jesus was giving good answers. And so there was an individual that wanted to know, what's the bottom line? I need to know the bottom line. Which is the most important commandment? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That's the most important commandment. You may know the second most important one. We'll talk about that another time. Today we're talking about the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If we get this right, we're going down the right road. If we get this wrong, we're in trouble. Now, did you read that with me? Have you ever loved anything that much? Have you ever loved someone that much? Let's go through this a little slower because you may have heard this before. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not just that, but also with all of your soul. And with all of your mind. And with all of your strength. Love God in a profound, powerful way. This is basically love God with everything that you have. Love God. Does that describe your relationship with God? I hope so. I think there are lots of strong believers that have never got to this place or they have faded away from this place. And yeah, okay, they they know in their head, God's great, all that. I'm busy with this. I love you, God. I'll see you on Easter. You know, these sorts of things. Loving God with all of who we are and checking in twice a year doesn't make sense. Love God with everything that you have. Now, if you read these verses and think, wow, how in the world does a person go about doing that? You know, around here, we don't just make you feel guilty for not uh, loving God with all of who you are and then just decide, you know, go home and feel guilty. How do you get to the place where you actually love God? How you should? Well, I think get to know God. If you get to know God, you will respond to God in the right way. Because when we get to know God, the natural response is to love God. When we get to know the majesty of God, the character of God, the love of God, the justice of God, the power of God. We get to love God. It's a natural response to knowing God. And so we need to get to know God if we're going to love God. Otherwise, we're trying to do something that doesn't make sense. If I was to tell you to love someone that you didn't know and said, well, now you you never get to meet them. You know, I'm just going to tell you how to spell their name, but you don't even know what they look like. You know, now love this person with all of who you are. That doesn't even make sense, does it? 
So we're not called to just sort of pretend. We're called to get to know God and love God. And that's where reach up comes in. And we need to reach up to and connect with the living God. And I want to talk about this morning a particular potential hindrance that can happen in church circles. When I, was, uh, when I first got saved, I wasn't a church person, and I didn't start going to church for a couple years. I don't know how long it was. And I just wasn't a, you know, I just didn't grow up in church. I didn't know why people got together and had church. It didn't really make sense to me because uh, I didn't understand it. But uh, one of the things that can happen in church that hinders this process is that people can become the focus instead of God becoming the focus. And people are more tangible. They're easier to look at and understand than our relationship with God. That's more intangible. And so the, the logicals are more likely to, to look at people. And then the spiritual can also look at people, but you know, it can also have a, a greater tendency to connect with God. But what we don't want to do is be distracted by people when we're supposed to be relating to God. And that can happen in church circles where people can think, uh, boy, I really like my church. Or, boy, I really like that worship leader. Or, man, I like that preacher. And, you know, I like it when people like Good Hope Church. That's neat. You know, uh, I like it when people say, nice sermon. I like the sermon. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's nice. I like it when people say they like the building edition. Oh, the kids' areas are super cool. Great. Awesome. That's fantastic. I'm happy. But we don't want to be in the place where we're looking at Ministers looking at church organizations, looking at church buildings and missing God. We must connect with God and not just connect with people. And there can be some messy things that happen when we start looking at people instead of looking at God. And there can be darkness that comes in as there's competition from church to church, minister to minister, and people are trying to get people to come to their group and that sort of thing. That's a, that's a dark thing. And uh, so let's, let's talk about that some. Because we're in church, we're going to have our business meeting tonight, which I mentioned earlier, and we're going to have some rah-rah sessions about Good Hope Church. And it's going to be fun. We're going to say, look at all the neat things that God's doing at Good Hope Church. And we're going to cheer, and it's going to be fun. But one of the problems with organized religion is that it has a tendency to focus on itself rather than focus on God. Organized religion can worship itself rather than worshiping God. And so what we don't want to do is have Good Hope Church be about Good Hope Church. Because that would be a disaster. Because the whole point is to have a connection with the living God. The most important thing is to love God. Good Hope Church will not exist in heaven. I don't know if you realize that. This church will have connections that we have will exist. You know, we'll be able to bring the love we have for each other with us. 
but there's not going to be any good hope church meetings in heaven. <laughs> there's going to be other meetings and they're going to be way better. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm interested to find out what my role is going to be. You know, I, I wonder what I'll do. I don't know. I might <laughs> clap my hands. I'll sing in the choir. I don't know what I'm going to do, but anyway, it's going to be great. We'll have different roles. It'll, it'll be, it'll be amazing. But let's look at some of the potential problems that can happen when in a church setting, we start focusing on church instead of focusing on God. Because if church gets between us and God, it creates a significant problem and we stop grabbing hold of the most important thing, which is to love God. And instead, we appreciate the church or we evaluate one church versus another and this sort of thing, and it can be a disaster. Now, there can be actual evil involved in this, which I just mentioned earlier. And the Apostle Paul dealt with this in 2 Corinthians. So the church in Corinth, Paul is writing them uh, another letter. And what's been happening is Paul has been doing ministry in Corinth, but he's had to tell them some hard things. And now some other people are coming in and wooing the church to follow them instead of Paul. And so Paul is getting pushed out. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul is pushed out of the Corinthian church. And so let's read what's going on here and and make sure that we don't fall into this trap. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1. I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you uh, as a pure virgin to him. So Paul is saying, connect with God. Connect with Jesus. Love God. He's not even saying, follow me, love me. He's saying, I want you to love Jesus. Verse 3. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. But I do not think that I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. So kind of piecing this together, what Paul is saying is, I might not be as cool and as funny as those other guys, but I'm going to tell you the truth about God. And sometimes you're not going to like the truth about God but I'm still going to tell you. (laughs) And if you have read much about the apostle Paul, he was perfectly willing to have everybody mad at him while he just told you the truth. And from this, I may not be a trained speaker thing makes me think that they were more eloquent, that they were able to work the crowd better than he was. And so they're taken over. And instead of pointing the church to Christ, instead of helping the people have a relationship with God, they're pulling people into following them. And that is a deep evil. Never, ever, ever 
do I want you to follow Pastor Mike. Never, ever, ever do I want you to follow Good Hope Church. I want you to follow Christ. I want you to love the living God. I want you to connect with the creator of the universe because he's made a way for you to have a relationship with him. Do not miss that for church. That's a disaster. And Paul predicted this in Acts chapter 20, this dynamic, and this is even in a different situation. Let's go to Acts chapter 20. This is where Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Paul served there for about three years. They, they fought and battled for the gospel together. They built deep connections. Have you gone to war with somebody, you know, fought for the gospel side by side with somebody for years and built an incredible bond and connection? Man, those are beautiful relationships. And here they're having to say goodbye. And Paul is saying, I'm not going to be able to see you ever again because he knows that he's got a different future in front of him. And so let's pick this up, Acts chapter 20, verse 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. So he's saying, I've been willing to do my part. Nobody's going to go to hell because I was afraid to tell him the truth. Nobody's going to go to hell because I just decided not to show up and do what God told me to do. I did it. So I'm innocent. Verse 27. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds. So he's talking to overseers. He's talking to pastors. He's talking to leaders. Be shepherds of the church of God, which is bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So Paul is saying, I've been strong enough to fight off the wolves. And he's been bit a few times. And he's been willing to make that sacrifice. And this next verse is amazing. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Even from the leaders in Ephesus, even from your own number, as they're having their tearful goodbye, he's saying, and some of you guys are going to distort the gospel to get people to follow you instead of following God. What a disaster. Last verse. Verse 31, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So this is a consistent problem where people get in the way, where church people get in the way of people's connection with God. And let that not ever happen here. Amen. Amen. Let us connect with God. Again, I like it when you like the church. I like it when it's, you know, you say, good job, Pastor Mike. Well, that's, that's great. Let's love God. Let's connect with him. Let's not miss God because we're appreciating church. 
Let's also not miss God because we're hating church. Sometimes it's the shoes on the other foot. How many people's relationship with God has been hampered by bad relationships with people, by bad church leadership, by nasty Christians that they've known. And it, it's the opposite side of the other side of the coin. Instead of, you know, falling in love with a particular denomination or something, instead they're so hurt by goofy Christian stuff that their relationship with God is damaged. We don't want people to get in the way on either side of the coin. And so it's important for us to guard our hearts at the beginning of this dynamic. To guard our hearts at the start. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So at the end of chapter 2, I'm sorry, the end of 2 Corinthians, which is actually the third letter. There's a third letter. Uh, We don't know where the other one is, but in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, this is now the third letter I've written to you. So there's another Corinthian out there. Uh, Be neat to see that one. Um, But anyway, we don't have it. So at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, starting verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, which is Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So go back to verse 12. Who's the bad guy in this verse? You know, in the, in the other verses, in Acts and in 2 Corinthians, we see savage wolves. We see super apostles that are trying to draw men unto them. We see clear bad guys. Who are the bad guys here? There's no bad guys. Peter's good. Paulus is good. Paul's good. What's the problem? The problem is, is that the group was spending their time evaluating who they thought was better. Peter or Paul or Apollos. And instead of spending their time developing their relationship with God, they were spending their time evaluating different ministers and different ministries. And so if instead of thinking, wow, do I love God? You think, man, this church is better than that church. We're at the beginning stages of this problem. And so it shouldn't be which is best, grace, good hope, journey, vineyard, who's the, you know, and, and sit and have a debate about that. Just set that aside and love God. Amen? Amen. Set that aside, build your relationship with Jesus. Because it's church, it's important. Come to church. But the main thing is to love God. 
And we don't want thinking about different churches, different ministries, different worship styles to be the thing that we focus on. And we think that we're thinking godly thoughts when we've been distracted away from our relationship with God as we're now evaluating various aspects of the Christian world. What good is that? Let's connect with the living God. Amen. Amen. And we can connect with the living God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 as I work on my time discipline. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Because here's the deal. If we are to get the main thing right, which is to love God, then we have to get to know God. How do we get to know God? Well, if you want to get a real relationship with God, get real with God. All right, he already knows everything you think right now. We think when we pray, you know, like that's when God's paying attention is, you know, now I've decided I'm going to have some time with God. Well, he's hanging out with you the whole rest of the time too. He knows all those other thoughts. He knows all the deepest, darkest secrets that you have, the darkest parts of your heart. He knows them all and he likes you anyway. This is the grace of God that he loves us and he sees through that into who he meant for us to be and the distorted things, the messed up things, all those things. He's made a way for that to be taken away so that we can grab hold of the fullness of this relationship with him and we can be who we are truly supposed to be. So we need to get real with God. And we can go to God. Hebrews 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus came here. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have a a loved one killed. He's been here for those things. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows pain and hunger and loneliness. When you talk to him, he's not someone who will not be able to understand what you're going through. He's been here. Verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Most theologians, and I agree, believe this is a reference to the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. Let us approach the throne of grace. Let us approach the mercy seat. Let us approach the the mercy of God for forgiveness with confidence so that we can get help in our time of need. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtain 
to the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. It specified, meaning this was God doing this. From top to bottom, the curtain was torn in two. The Holy of Holies was released to the world so that we could have the deepest relationship with God that was possible. In the Old Testament era, they used to send the high priest in once a year. They would tie a rope around his ankle. So that if he, when he went into the Holy of Holies and he went into the presence of God, that if he just died right there in the power and presence of God, they could not sin by going in there themselves. They could pull him out with the rope. How approachable is that? Now we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now we know that the blood that has made the way that has cleansed us, it's the blood of Christ himself. So we can walk into that relationship and we can know that God will accept us even though we know who we are. If that's there and available to us, we must take it. We must then go to the throne of grace because we can go boldly. We can be confident and we can receive mercy and find grace. So let's do that. Again, what if at the end of this, the takeaway is, well, that was a nice sermon. He seemed kind of excited about that. I liked the energy. You know, what if, what if that was the response? And we don't then go to the throne of grace. Wouldn't that be a disaster? So I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a minute. And we're going to pray. And the thing is, I can't take you there. You can't take your loved ones there. We can't take our friends there. We can tell our friends about it. We can tell our loved ones about it. I can tell you about it. You got to go on your own. You got to walk boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. And how do you get there? You know, where is it? It's right here. If we could see. The Holy of Holies has been released over the whole earth and here thousands and thousands of miles away from where the curtain was torn we can enter in we need to believe and trust God and have that relationship and love God because it's the most important thing and if we miss it well all this other stuff isn't going to make any sense at all so let's pray together Let's endeavor to enter in. And then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. When it's personal prayer time, whatever your need might be, you want to start a relationship with Jesus, get prayer. You need freedom from something, get prayer. You need counsel, wisdom, deliverance, a miracle, come get prayer. But right now, let's pray together. And let's enter in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for making a way. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know us perfectly. You know our darkness. You know everything about us. And you love us anyway. Lord, when you were willing to sacrifice for us when we were still sinners, how much more do you love us now that we yield to you? So Lord, help us 
to find the throne of grace. We seek it now. We ask you now to bring us into your presence. We're knocking on the door and asking you to open it for us that we can come into a real relationship with you. But we don't want to settle for religion. We want relationship. We don't want to settle for interactions with people as wonderful as those are. We want to know you. Lord, help us to connect. Help us to know that you love us, that you want that relationship. Lord, I pray for each one in this place, Lord, that we would be able to find our way to the Holy of Holies, that we wouldn't miss that, that great opportunity to go boldly before your throne. Lord, let us enter in. Father, I pray a blessing over each person in this place. Lord, I pray your peace would be upon us, Lord. I pray that your strength would be in us. Lord, that your joy would fill us. And Lord, that your love would hit us, that we would know the fullness of your love, that it would overflow through us into everyone else that we know so that your love would be shared with all the people that we meet. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.